something, learn how to wave and shout and yahoo. <laughs> Don't put this back on me. I've got enough responsibility. Alrighty. So we've been looking at specifically the pre-tribulational rapture of the church and in looking at that and understanding that we need to understand uh, the, there is, a, there is a, a spiritual body and there is a physical body and we need to understand that bodily resurrection. We need to understand the ascension of Christ and all these things. And uh, so we're going to step back into that. Lord willing, we'll, we'll close it off and, uh, and come bring this, bring this to a conclusion, at least these lessons, give you something to, to uh, build some study on as you, uh, as you be like the Bereans. I hope you are studying this out at home and spend some time on your own in the Word of God on these things. All right, well, let's have a word of prayer. The Lord might help us, and we'll try and uh, pick back up where we left off. Our Lord and King, we do thank you and praise you for your love and care. I thank you, my Lord, for all that you've done for us. And I pray, dear Jesus, that as we, uh, as we open up your word this morning, that you might speak to our hearts. Help me, Lord, to teach uh, plainly and clearly the truth of your word. Help us, Lord, to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, and that we uh, might search the scriptures uh, to see if these things be so. I pray, my Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit would be here amongst us this morning, and you would be working in, in our hearts and in our minds guiding us, Lord, into, the, into all the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alrighty. So, uh, I broke this out of similar to this last week to give you a bit of structure. Um, I'm going to come back on this. We'll be in Second uh, Thessalonians predominantly for the start of the lesson this morning. A couple of things to point out just so that it makes sense. You have, of course, here just the passage of time. We don't know the dates, but we just have an earlier point in time and a latter point in time. And as far as we're concerned, as far as where we land on this calendar, on this, uh, this timeline, we're out there somewhere, all right? This, this is future events, so we're somewhere down there. Uh, maybe, we're, maybe we're here, maybe, maybe we're at the door, maybe we're down the mouth of Wild Cattle Creek. I mean, I don't know how far that is, all right? I, I, if I've got a hazard to guess, I'm going to say we're here, right? That's where I think we are. But um, we don't know those things. All we can do is uh, be mindful of the times and the seasons and, uh, and see the events going on around us. So we have the passage of time. Open your, book, your Bible to your book. Open your Bible to Second uh, Thessalonians. And this timeline is based on chapter two. And uh, we'll just read a, a short passage here. Verse one tells us that. Uh, the purpose of this is that we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by ga our gathering together unto him. The purpose of this chapter is, and, the, and the, for writing this chapter, is because of the coming of the Lord and the gathering of God's people unto him. That you be soon not shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, talking about the day of Christ, shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And it's here in, ver in these verses that we start to see the order of things. We see the coming of the day of the Lord, the day of Christ. We see a falling away before that. 
and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. There used to be a falling away and a revealing of the, son, the man of sin before the coming of Christ. Whoso opposeth and exalteth himself, it describes the man of sin, above all that is called God and is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. There is a progression of, his, of what the man of sin does and a, a, a little snippet of some things that go on uh, in his, what will we call that, mystery of iniquity that, uh, that that beast walks in. Verse 3, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. In verse 6 he says, Now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. Now the only person to be revealed in the context of this chapter is the son of the man of sin is to be revealed and he's to be revealed in his time and there is a withholding. You know what withholdeth. Something is preventing the revealing of that man of sin. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work and he who, he who now letteth will let. We understand the old English meaning of that word let is the same as the modern English meaning of the word let when it comes to tennis. And it's that withholdeth, it's that uh, gets in the way. And so he, and we, we know now that it's not a what that withholds, but the Bible says here that he who now letteth will let. He who withholds until he be taken out of the way. That there is a person that withholds the revealing of the man of sin until that person that withholds is taken out of the way. And so we have this progression here. This is, I've put, I put one extra one on here for this morning, which we'll get to. But we have here the, the, the coming of Christ. We have the man of sin being revealed. Before the man of sin is revealed, prior to that, there is a withholding, or it is he that withholdeth. And he that withholdeth will be taken out of the way. And when he that withholds the man of sin from being revealed is taken out of the way, then the man of sin is revealed. And so this is, this is where we were sitting at last week. We got to about that point and uh, had a look at a few things in and around there. Let's, let's for the sake of some thoroughness this morning, let's, uh, well, any, any questions on that? Don't worry about these yet. We'll get to these and this. Any questions on that where we're at? No need to clarify anything? My teaching is so thorough that you can't remember anything next week and you've got no questions this week. That's wonderful. That's all good. Um, all right, so we've got that timeline laid out. Laid out. Then, verse 8, Then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and should destroy with the brightness of his coming. And so we've got the, the red is three, three things that happen in relation to this man of sin. And we're going to have a look at those this morning. There's some things that happen in relation to the man of sin. But before we do that, we're going to have a look at this green, he that withholdeth. All right? So let's consider some things about he that, he that withholdeth. Where do, oh, there we go. I was thinking, I lost my notes. I found them again. All right. So, go with me to... We're just going to look at a few verses. 2 Thessalonians 2, we just did. Go to 1 Thessalonians 4. Just go back a book to 
1 Thessalonians 4, verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We have here this this description of the of what we would in modern day call the rapture and uh, some people have trouble with that they go well why are we using the word rapture when it's not in the bible well we use the word rapture when it's not in the bible the same reason we use the word bible when it's not in the bible it's a description of something we understand from the bible and so you don't find the word bible in the bible you find the word scriptures uh you find the word uh oh i just lost it what is it oracles that's what god gave to israel the oracles, and that refers to the Old Testament. You find all these different words and we just compile it down and that's why you have the full title on a lot of old Bibles or a lot of, a lot of Bibles, the Holy Bible because it's the Holy Book. That's what, it's, that's what it is. And so this word rapture is just, just a description, a, a word to cover the idea of caught up, okay, that we see in First Thessalonians. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 deals with that bodily resurrection. That, uh, that, and in 1 Corinthians 15, it doesn't use the word caught up. Can anyone remember what it means? What word is used? Starts with a C. Changed. We shall be changed. It talks about the resurrection of the dead, and then we shall be changed. And so it, it talks about what that, that side that happens to the body. All right, go back to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, and verse 6. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. Now he that withholdeth, that he might be revealed... Now he, now and now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work... Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. I asked the question, and I didn't spend much time on it, but I asked the question about he who now letteth. Uh, we're going to have a look at this briefly, and then we're going to go on and have a look at, um, at uh, some, some principles about, uh, about the Antichrist and uh, the man of sin, and putting those things together... We will uh, we'll bring some truths here. Go with me to Genesis chapter 6. Let's try and identify he. Did anyone look at this through the week? Genesis chapter 6. There is someone who withholds, who gets in the way, who restricts this man of sin. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3 and we have here early in the fall, so Steve was right, we're dealing with creation. Um, Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. 
the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. Now this passage of scripture is not in context talking about the Lord striving with the devil or the work of the devil, nor is it in, nor is it in specific application refer, talking about the Lord striving with the man of sin. But it does tell us that the Lord will not always strive with man. He therefore does strive with man. There is a striving that God has with mankind. In 2 Thessalonians, and this is, this is getting a, a little outside where I was going to teach, but let me, just, let me just go there for a minute. Um, in 2 Thessalonians, it talks about a strong delusion. Is somebody able to find that verse for me? It's not in my notes. It's just something that will help us this morning. Where the Lord will send a strong delusion. 2 Thessalonians verse 11. Verse 10 says, with all the, the working of Satan is with all deceivableness and unrighteousness to, in them that perish. Catch this, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they, should be, that they might be saved. And for this cause, because they receive not the love of the truth, for that cause, God shall send them, who? Those that receive not the, long, the love of the truth, strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they, might, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. It's talking about a group of people who decided that they would not receive the love of the truth but instead they would enjoy the pleasures of unrighteousness and here where the man of sin is revealed, the Bible says that God will send them a strong delusion that they will believe a lie. Just on that there, what is the Holy Spirit doing right now? Striving with man. And what is his desire? Okay. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. There is a striving with man for righteousness. There is, a, there is an aspect where the Holy Spirit of God and through the work of Christ, is striving with man to bring them to salvation. But the Bible says here that there's coming a day in some people's lives where the Lord will not strive with them for salvation, but will instead give them a strong delusion and just let them go. It kind of has the same mindset and idea as in, in the beginning chapters of Romans where the Lord gave them over to a reprobate mind. He tried to bring mankind to repentance and mankind would not come, so there are individuals that God gives over to a reprobate mind. It's the same idea as when the Lord declared judgment in Noah's day that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, compelling the lost world to come into the ark. But at one stage... The Lord closed that door and didn't allow them in anymore. We don't want to go down a path of calling God an austere God or an a, or a, 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 a unfair God or an unjust God. 
But we also don't want to go down the path of going salvation is available forever and a day and there never comes a time where God will go, your time is finished. I don't think we even have room in Scripture to go, it's only at death that your time is finished. You see that Pharaoh hardened his heart against Israel, but after he hardened his heart once, then God hardened his heart after that. So we want to be mindful of the truths here across throughout Scripture. And so there's, there's, there's a striving that God has with man to bring them to salvation. But God will not always strive with man as an individual or as a whole. And I think that gives us good grounds. There is no definitive... Daniel's beautiful. When you read Daniel, you can read his, you can read his, his visions, right? And then God sent someone along to give him the understanding of his vision, right? And tell you what was what. Don't you love the parables where after God gave the parable, the disciples said, we don't get it. Tell us what that was all about. And God tells us what that was all about. But there's a few parables where you don't get that question and answer. You're just left to figure it out yourself, right? And the reason for that is twofold. One, it's to make you a student of God's Word that you would study it and you would rely on the leading of the Holy Ghost through the light of God's Word to guide you into all truth. But it's also so that those who do not have an ear to hear, those who don't want to know, can just block their ears to it and it's not blatantly obvious, they just leave it alone and they can go and have their deception. You ever met someone, you ever had a conversation with somebody, you're witnessing to them and eventually you come to realise that you're never going to win an argument because they don't want an end to the argument. They just want to argue against God. And it does not matter what you say, you will not convince them because they're not, they're not open to it. They have no desire for the truth. They simply have a desire to justify the darkness that they love because they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. This is the truth that is, is getting dealt with here in the end, times, my, end time aspect, that, that there, is a, there, is a, there is someone, there is someone who withholds. Throughout history, some Christians thought it was the Roman Empire, that the Roman Empire held back the man of sin. But that doesn't stand up to the truth of God's Word. You don't see man withholding the man of sin. Have a look with me, with me in Matthew chapter 5. Let's take a New Testament reference. In Matthew chapter 5, we just looked at this in our Sunday morning service. Matthew chapter 5, and oh, I didn't put the reference down. I was lazy. I can't even find my right chapter now. There, just after, we, just after Jesus gives the Beatitudes and the, 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 the blessings that are attached to that Old Testament law and there in Christ, He says in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? What are the two works for salt? What are the two things that salt do? Preserve and enhance flavour, Right? bring out the flavour. But salt has a preserving aspect. And that salt 
Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. He says that to his disciples, to those multitude there. He said, you are the light of the world. What does light do to darkness? It exposes it. Expels it. Drives it away. Right? What communion hath light with darkness? What communion hath Christ with Belial? If, there's, if, if the light is light, if the room is all lit up, you don't turn on the darkness. You just turn off the light. If you turn on the light, it drives out the darkness. The light withholds the darkness. The darkness doesn't withhold light. Light withholds darkness. Salt preserves. I've got three biblical words here. I haven't got the references for them. I'm just going to give them to you and allow you to, to look them up. I'm actually not even going to give, give them to you. But I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And you find these verses, you find the ver- there's a number of verses that utilize these words. The Lord said that the Father and the Son will make their something with man. It's where they dwell. Starts with A. Uh, it, it means home, and the word is abode. Abode or abide. I'm going to go with D for help you with the verse. But have a look at that. Have a look at the fact of where the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son, in this dispensation. That's why we looked at dispensations at the start of last, the start of last term. To look at where the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son, make their abode. And it's with man. It's in the spirit of man. In fact, our body is called the what? Right? Have a look at where the temple is. Of the Holy Spirit. This and this, pretty much the same thing. Starts with D. Dwelling. The dwelling place. The dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Have a look at specifically in the church age where the Holy Spirit is. And you will find over and over and over again from the very beginning when Jesus said, if I go not from you, I cannot send the Comforter. The Comforter will not come. But if I go, I will send another Comforter. And that Comforter abides in us, in God's people. The combined group of people who are God's dwelling place, the combined group of people that are the people that God and the Holy Spirit abide in, the combined group of people whose bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, when, they, when those individuals gather together, what does the Bible call that? The church. That is the church. If, you're, if the Holy Spirit doesn't abide within you, if your body is not the temple of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter if you're 
the longest serving member, it doesn't matter how many times you've been baptised, it doesn't matter if you're the pastor behind the pulpit or the deacon that's serving in the church, you're a Sunday school teacher or anything else, if, you're, if the Holy Spirit of God doesn't abide within you, if you've not been saved and been made into the temple of the Holy Spirit, you are not part of the church. You're just a foul bird that's hanging around those branches. You're just there amongst the church, but you're not the church. The church is not a group of people like a club, but it is much more the family of God in this dispensation that is all of this. I want you to study that out. I've looked at it enough. It's in, often taught in around, all this is often taught in around most sermons and our understanding of the Holy Spirit. Now we want to apply that. We want to apply that to this man of sin, this understanding of things. He that withholdeth withholds the man of sin. Go back to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The man of sin is not just a man. He is a man, but he's not just a man. The man of sin, the Bible says, even him in verse 9, whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. The man of sin is a man that comes after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders. It is not simply a man that is withheld, but it is the power of Satan working through a man that is withheld. Can I put to you this morning that the only individual throughout all of Scripture who has the ability to withhold the power of Satan is Christ, is God, is the Holy Spirit. And so he that withholdeth, that is to be taken out of the way, has to be a part of the Godhead that is withholding Satan. And so then you've got to go, where is, the, where is the Godhead that can be taken out of the way? And all of these things push us to the church, being raptured out, and the removal of the Holy Spirit that He's no longer withholding on this earth, no longer preserving, no longer driving out the darkness. And that gives way for the man of sin to be, let's look at this, to be what? Revealed. That one's easy, isn't it? Verse 3. First, second, second Thessalonians 2, verse, verse 3, says that, Let no man deceive you by any means, for the day shall not come except there be a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. I'm not going to try and write it. It'll just make it messy. Okay, you're just going to have to remember it. That's revealed. When this man of sin, when, when, this, when the Holy Spirit is, is removed from the, His presence on this earth, the man of sin is revealed, but not only is he revealed, have a look in verse 4. The man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 
Verse 3 and 4. Is it the revealing of the man of sin when he makes himself as God, seated in the temple of God? Or is it the revealing of the man of sin and that man of sin then exalts himself as God? Let's see a show of hands. One and the same? Two different events. Hands up if you think it's one and the same. Hands up if you think it's two different events. Hands up if you really don't want to weigh in on the matter right now. That's everyone else. (laughs) And half the people that put their hand up. (laughs) One of the reasons to do it is to go, when you just read it, when you just read through there, it it seems that it's one and the same. In fact, from the very beginning it does that. Now we beseech you, brethren, in verse 1, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him. Seems like it's all one and the same thing, isn't it? As is, as is, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. You could read it as all as one and the same, right? But we don't want to enforce that. Because if you, if you enforce it there as that's how you have to read it, if it sounds like that, that's how you have to read it, then you better go back to Isaiah 61.2 and go, when Jesus quoted that passage in the temple, he had no grounds to split it. We've got to handle the Word, word of God consistently and go, you know what, when we read this, sometimes a comma, sometimes a comma will represent thousands of years. Remember last week, it wasn't on this topic, last week I preached on, on uh, the, the details matter, the details of God's Word. I had a friend ring me up, send me a text message, he'd been watching it online, it was Ian down in Tasmania, and he sent me back and, and he said, Isaiah 62.1, he said that would be the most important jot and tittle in all of Scripture in his account, because it matters, that little comma, that little break, where God said, that's, that's thousands of years apart. So, the man of sin, he'll be revealed, he'll be exalted, he'll exalt himself. Notice it's the same time, anyone want to hazard a guess? It's in verse 8, if you'd like, um, if you'd like the answer key. There we go. Destroyed. Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. This man of sin will be revealed, he'll be exalted, and he'll ultimately be destroyed. Let's have a look at some thoughts about this. Remember we looked at Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. And I'm going to do this really quick. If you weren't here for the lessons on, ta- on Daniel, then read the passage, go back to the teaching that are on, available online. But the reason we did that groundwork is so that we can just quickly reference here, okay? Daniel chapter 7, verse 15 to 28, gives Daniel vi- Daniel's vision of four beasts. In Daniel 7, verse 8, the Bible says, There came up among them another little horn. In, Daniel's, in the fourth beast that he saw, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 8, the vision said that there was another horn that came amongst the horns on that beast, and that horn was a little horn. In verse, verse 
15 to 28, you get the description. This is one of those places where Daniel gives the full description and explains that this is kings and kingdoms and dominions and authorities that come. And the horns, the Bible says, it's not my opinion, it's not your opinion, the Bible says the horns are a king. They're a ruler. And in verse 20, it says, the other which came up more stout than his fellow. That little horn was called a horn that was more stout than his fellow. In 724, it says, another shall rise after them. I just want you to see, in, the, in Daniel, when he saw his visions, he said the, fir- the first thing Daniel saw was the rising of a little horn, the coming up of a little horn. You know what that is? That's a revealing of a man of sin. He's just, he's just coming on the scene. If you go over to chapter 9, you step into Daniel's understanding of the 70 weeks. Glenn broke, broke that teaching down gave a good teaching on the 70 weeks. And in Daniel's vision of the 70 weeks, in verse 26, the Bible says, the prince that shall come. There's a prince that shall come, and it's not talking about the prince of peace, it's talking about a different prince. It's talking about this man of sin. The prince shall come and shall confirm a covenant one week. One week of seven years. One week of years. The prince shall come, and that prince shall confirm a covenant one week. In verse 27, it says, in the midst of the week, something will happen. He'll confirm a covenant for a week. You know when a covenant starts? There's got to be a beginning to that. And then something happens in the minimum of that co- middle of that covenant. This isn't when the man of sin is revealed. At the establishing of that covenant is where the man of sin is revealed. That's where he's first seen. This is where he's exalted in the midst of the week. In Revelation chapter 6, we, we looked and we did, did a lesson on the things that were seen. And one of the things that was seen was the seven seals. And in Revelation chapter 6 verse 1, go there if you want, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to read my notes. In Revelation chapter 6 verse 1 and 2, It talks about the first seal. And when that first seal was broken, a white horse came forth, and the Bible says, He that sat on him had a bow, a crown, and he came conquering and to conquer. Commentators have for many years pointed out the interesting fact that there was a bow, but no arrows mentioned. There was conquering, but there was no war mentioned. In fact, the next horse had power to take peace from the earth. The first, the first horse and the rider came forth with a crown and a bow. He came conquering, but peace was there through to the second seal. It wasn't until the second seal was broken that peace was taken from the earth. So the first horse came with bow, came with the power of warfare, came with a crown and authority. But peace remained. You go looking into what this covenant was, you see there's a revealing of the man of sin before there's the woes that that man of sin brings in. Revelation 13. We looked at this about the beasts that were seen. 
As we did our lesson on the, on the things that are seen, we just touched very quickly. And Revelation 13 talks about the beast of the sea. There's the beast of the land and the beast of the sea. They, they seem to point out to the, the, the man of sin and the false prophet. But we're just looking at the first one. And in that man of sin, in verse 1 of this vision, John saw him rise up out of the sea. Before he did anything... He rose up out of the sea. In verse 2, the dragon gave him his power, his seat, and his great authority. Here is someone that rose up out of the sea, a beast that rose up out of the sea, that from the devil was given power, a seat, a throne in that sense, and great authority. I just want you to see the, the, the revealing of the man of sin, not just in, in Thessalonians, but Daniel. Revelation, and in other places you see it over again, okay? Take those passages, study them out, and, and answer your questions. My purpose here is not... Oh, look, this has convinced me. This has doubled me down on my position. But you don't need to be convinced of my position. You need to be guided of the Holy Spirit into all truth. And so you need to take these passages, get in God's Word, and study them out and go, where do I stand on this? What does the Bible actually teach here? Um, I was going to ask you, I'm just going to tell you for the sake of time. So what's the summary of all this? The, tribulation, the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Who? It's the church. The church gets raptured. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Gentiles needing to come in, and the promise of 1 Thessalonians and of 1 Corinthians can identify for us that it's the church that will be raptured, not just, not just anybody, but the church. When? Oh, sorry, what? We talk about the rapture. We have the example of Christ in Acts where he was taken up. We have, we have the, that, that promise that goes with that that this same Jesus that you saw ascend into heaven will so come in like manner. You have the description of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 of how we'll be caught up. And Revelations 19, that second coming of Christ is very different to the Acts 1 ascension of Christ. And then on top of that, you have, you have 1 Corinthians again with its explanation and, uh, along with 1 Thessalonians that it's of what the rapture is, okay? So you have who it, who it is that it's dealing with, you have what the rapture is, and when. When is the timing of these things? 2 Thessalonians 2, you read that carefully, and the purpose of that passage is to lay out the timing of these things. So 2 Thessalonians gives us the order of events. When we look specifically at the revealing of the Antichrist, the revealing of that Antichrist, if you put those together, the revealing and the, the exaltation, you'll land at a mid-trib position. You'll believe you go through the first half of the tribulation and it all happens in the middle and you'll land at that position. But if the, if the scriptures show that the, the man of sin is revealed and then exalted and they're two separate events and that the Holy Spirit is withholding and once the Holy Spirit is removed that then the man of sin is revealed and you look at those different events, it's not just when wrath comes uh, in, its, in its extremes in the middle of the tribulation, but it's after the man, before the man of sin is revealed that the church is taken up. 
and that lands you at a pre-trib position, right? Mid-wrath, mid-trib is because they're going before the wrath and where they see the wrath magnified in Scripture. Pre-trib position, you'll see that if you look for the revealing of the man of sin. And the proper identification of the withholding and removal of he that withholds. If you don't identify the withhold, who withholds as the Holy Spirit, then you'll land your timeline elsewhere. But those things land us at a pre-tribulational rapture of the church to give a, a simplification of it. Let's close with a word of prayer and grab a coffee. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us this morning. I pray you'd uh, just help us to be Bereans, Lord, to search the Scriptures on these things to see if they be so. I pray, my Lord, that your Holy Spirit would guide us under all truth, and that you would work in the hearts and lives of your people. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I say also...